hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. I'm your host, Jim Henry. I'm proud to announce that the Pro Tips book is finally available. 50 Pro Tips for Musicians, Practical Advice for an Impractical Business. It contains many of the tips we've discussed here on the podcast, personal insights about each one, and features original illustrations by Ruby Henry. To order your copy today, go to protipsformusicians.com. Funding for this and every show comes from generous listeners who each contribute a small amount every month. Patrons like Dino Catanio, Eric Giribaldi, Dan Zuckergood, Dan Tappan, Maria Sangiolo, Bob Fishman, Kristen Andrews, David Bryce, and the good folks at Cloud Microphones, The Parlor Room, and Signature Sounds are just a few of the listeners who contribute because they believe in the podcast. This ongoing support makes it possible for me to continue these shows. For as little as $2 a month, you can be a part of the Pro Tips family. In return, you'll get access to outtakes, music, and videos not available anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash jimhenry to find out more. Or to make a one-time only donation, go to protipsformusicians.com. Today on the podcast, we have Lisa Bastoni. Lisa is one of the winners of the 2019 Kerrville New Folk Songwriting Competition held in Texas every year. She joins the illustrious ranks of past winners, including John Gorka, Robert Earl Keane, Hal Ketchum, and Lucinda Williams. After a 10-year hiatus from the music business, Lisa is back at it full-time, having recently shared the stage with national acts Regina Spector, Arlo Guthrie, and Little Big Town. Her first recording, The Wishing Hour, has been called Americana of the Highest Order, drawing comparisons to Gretchen Peters and Patty Griffin. Her brand new CD, How We Want to Live, is scheduled for release in September. Lisa is a thoughtful, sweet, and intelligent songwriter, and it's an honor to have her on the podcast. So let's say hello to Lisa Bastoni. Hello, Lisa Bastoni. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you for making the trip over here to Ruby Tone Studio on this beautiful spring day. I'm happy to be here. Good. Well, I'm glad you could come. So you've heard a few of these podcasts. I'm a, a big fan I of know, the I know, and you were actually yes. one of the very first supporters of the, on the Patreon uh, thing, so I appreciate that very well, much. Well, I think it's a gift that you're sharing all this information with us. Well, thanks, and we're gonna we're gonna pick your brain and get all your information too before the day's over. But let before we get started, let's uh, let's play a song. Okay. So, what do you want to play? This is called "Beautiful Girl." A girl in the woods with a knife and a loaf of bread comes upon a pack of wild. Dogs. She'll use the knife to cut the bread, making sure they're all fed, and maybe save a little for herself. Cause it's alright to be gentle, and it's alright to be kind, and it's alright to be brave and scared. I want you to know. When you were a baby And 
stars together To the moon and back I said I tell you now so you won't forget So you remember when the going gets harder That it's alright to be gentle And it's alright to be kind And it's alright to be brave and scared Thanks. That's a great song. That's that's kind of a new one for you. Or it is a newer new. one, yeah. 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 So that so that brings us right to what I wanted to talk to you about today, and that is the Kerrville Folk Festival and uh, the fact that you were there this year and that you are one of the winners of that prestigious contest. Yes. Right. And that and that song is one of the songs that you sent. sent it is. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I wanted to hear about the process of of entering a song contest and going through that whole thing and then winning the yeah. <laughs> contest, which is obviously the goal. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people who aren't musicians or who aren't songwriters don't necessarily know how that process works. So I'm hoping you, you will take us through that sure. whole process from start um, to finish. Well, the process for me, I, I'm, a, I'm not a competitive person. So... <laughs> That side of things doesn't come naturally to me, but um, a friend suggested that I enter some contests. I took about a 10-year break from music, mm -hmm. and so I was, as I was coming back to it, somebody suggested applying to some of these things as a way just to get back into it. And um, I think a good approach is to apply to a bunch of them and See what sticks. <laughs> See what sticks and then kind of forget about it. I think I applied to 10 or something. Right. Then I forgot about it. And then it's like either good news <laughs> or bad news. And um, so for this one, um, I I got the good news that I was one of the 32 finalists out of, I think they accept 800 applications. Wow. So that was... You mean they, they accept 800 they accept and 800. cut it off at 800? They cut it off at 800. Wow. They accept up to, for the Kerrville folk, New Folk Contest. Right. 
Um, and then there are 32 finalists who go down to the Kerrville Folk Festival and you play the songs that you applied with. Um, so I played my two songs. And then that's the first weekend with the 32 finalists. And then they choose six to return um, for the following weekend to play an, another set of songs. So I was selected that's great. as one of the six. That's a very prestigious uh, contest. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's one it of It was an honor to, yeah. to be a part of that. I mean, a lot of, a lot of well-known people have come out of that contest, like Lyle Lovett and uh, Suzanne Vega, I think, was... I think so. There's a website where um, it lists the entire history of the contest, and I've looked at that sort of in awe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but it's the, um, the whole vibe of the Kerrville Folk Festival extends to the contest, where it's not really as much about winning as it is about finding your people and finding your peers and um, just connecting with, with other songwriters around the country who are sort of in the same place where you are. And, um, and did you do that? Did you I, make some I good connections I feel like I there? did. Yeah. Um, so your, your first trip? I, I was there um, in 2004, not as, a, not as a finalist. I was just there to hang out with friends. And um, so it was a very emotional weekend, just returning after so many yeah. years. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm in such a different place in my life. Um, so I was, I was crying. I was laughing. It was like this whole like spectrum of emotions. It really was surprising yeah. uh, what an emotional experience it was just to, to be there right. again. So you have to book a flight yes. not knowing whether you're coming back on the first Monday or the second Monday. Yeah, well, right? I, booked, I booked my flight for the first weekend. And then Sunday night after they announced the six final winners, um, I was scrambling yeah. on my phone to figure out how I was going to yeah. make that work, but but it worked out. Yeah. yeah. And so did you camp out there? or did you I did stay? not camp this ah, year. Because you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> I like camping in general, but yeah. for this, I, I treated myself to a bed. That's good. Yeah. For the whole time? And a shower. I was only there for the weekend, so uh -huh. um, yeah, I wanted to be comfortable. It was my birthday, too. Oh, that's right. So... Um, that was a fun part of it too. There was, um, there's a tent kind of set up for the new folk finalists to meet and gather. And there was a lovely breakfast that they were hosting the first weekend. And so it was all the finalists were there and I walk up with my guitar. I didn't really know anybody. And right away the host invited me to play a song. <laughs> So no I pressure. Coffee yet? No pressure. And I was, I was like in tears. I was crying because it was my birthday. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was far away from home, and I'm not. I'm pretty introverted in general, so it was like a challenge in many ways. But I walk up and I, I'm in tears and laughing and crying at the same time. And I'm like, you guys, it's my birthday. <laughs> and without skipping a beat, they all started singing the happy birthday Aww. song. So it was like just this lovely welcome. So you started crying some more. So I started crying more. And then I was like, <laughs> this is my grandmother's guitar. Uh, and so I told the story of my grandmother's guitar and how, you know, this is the guitar that I've been playing with lately. And okay, actually, so song, can so we interrupt this and, and sure. talk about your grandma's guitar? Sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, uh, yeah, it means a lot to you, obviously. It does. And, uh, yeah, what's the, what's the story um, behind So I feel guitar? like this is a big piece. This guitar is a big piece of why 
I'm writing songs again. We after should say taking it's a, it's a Gibson. Break. It's a 1971 Gibson J50. Um, it's and a great it, guitar. It was my grandmother's guitar. She um, she had a very successful career as a commercial artist and graphic designer. And when she was about 40 years old, she decided that she wanted to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> so this is the guitar that she bought. Uh-huh. And played with. And when I was 13, she started giving me guitar lessons. She bought me a three-quarter sized Yamaha guitar. And the strings were about an inch away from the fretboard. So it was like <laughs> really difficult, but I really enjoyed it. And um, growing up, she would always say, when I die, I want you to have this guitar. Oh, which was just really uh, too heavy to hear. Right. But now, I, of course, I couldn't be more grateful to have this guitar and to have this shared bond of music with her and all throughout my life she was um so encouraging of of um my writing and playing so to have this guitar with me at Kerrville and just in general all along it just has great meaning for me personally did she write songs well she wrote songs but she didn't really play them for anybody Uh so part of when she died a few years ago I inherited this guitar along with a bag of songs that I thought were just cover songs that she learned how to play. And remember writing out lyrics? Yeah, to song? yeah. Like now there's Cordy and you just press print. And right. you, but I feel like there's something to like sitting by the record player and like, or the CD player, whatever it is, hitting pause. Yeah, right. And like trying to write the words out. Yeah, it helps you learn it them. helps you learn them. So this bag of songs was just filled with all of her favorite songs, which is a gift in itself. But in mixed in with these songs was a folder marked private. <laughs> and I opened that up and it's it was just I'm going to start crying now just telling the story again. It's okay. Songs that she wrote but never played for anybody. So I am really crying now. <laughs> so right. to inherit this guitar, to inherit this notebook of songs like secret songs that were never played for anybody and to have this memory of of my grandmother encouraging me all along to to sing the songs um is really such a big piece of why I do this the idea of songs that are never played for anybody is what gets me I mm-hmm. feel like they could be terrible songs they could be great songs but sharing them with people I think is what it's what it comes down to mm-hmm. and that connection so that's that is my story. That's the story of the <laughs> that's guitar. That's the story of the guitar. And so the did you uh, play? Were you able to play some of these secret songs um, and figure out how they went? Well, there, there probably wasn't any melody. I remember. Um, I do remember her playing some of the songs for me growing up, and there I did find a record that she recorded, and I remember her now telling me that she. She spent a day in a recording studio wow. <laughs> recording her songs, but not knowing that she could have more than one try. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so she recorded them. So I have like maybe six of them. It's like in, uh, in a short, what is it on a record? I'm blanking now. It's like six songs. An EP? An EP. Yeah. Of um, some of the songs. So you're gonna? Are you gonna try and record them yourself? I don't. I think I did many years ago. I recorded four of them for an exhibit, uh, an art exhibit that she was doing. She, she and my grandfather made valentines for each other throughout their 32 years together, and some of my grandmother's valentines were in the form of songs. So I think I recorded some of her love songs as part of 
the exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll have to go back through. But I've definitely been inspired by some of the lines in her songs, sort of drawing phrases here and there and weaving them into my own songs. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, Eliza Gilkison has some of her songs that yes. she got from her grandmother. I've seen, I've yeah. seen her play some of those yeah. songs with you, actually. Yeah. And I love that. Hey, grandmas. Who grandmas. knew? Grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that was a, a little sidebar. Let's yes. get back to. So now you're crying at the <laughs> okay <laughs> at the tent at the Kerrville Folk Festival. Yeah. Right. Meeting all the, meeting all the people. All yes. the contestants before oh, the contest. And the other thing that made me cry there was uh, <laughs> <laughs> they gave, um, so Dallas Allen, who's the um, the producer of the festival, and all of the three judges were there, and they gave us a little pep talk before we went on about how it really is about community and they really wanted us all to be there so that we could meet each other and mm-hmm. find each other and play shows together and and just connect. So so there was that piece of it. And then right bef- in the backstage, right before you go on, there's a bulletin board of people who have played the Kerrville Folk Festival who have died. So there's a little bit of perspective yeah. right uh-huh. before you go on stage. There's Pete Seeger, Odetta, right. Bill Morrissey, Michael Troy, that was the one that got me because Michael was a friend of mine, Uh a songwriter from Fall River, Massachusetts. And so I just had this feeling right before I went on of, you know, we're only here for a little while. This is my turn to kind of step into this river of songs and play my two Mm -hmm. songs here for people. And so I was totally shaking when I went out to play my two songs, but something about the Kerrville audience that is unlike anything I've ever experienced was being in an outdoor performance situation. Usually there are a lot of distractions, there's noise, people are up and down getting food or whatever. Mm -hmm. This audience was listening so closely, like leaning forward Mm -hmm. with this, like you could feel the support and some people were even taking notes. Mm. <laughs> and it was funny. Later, somebody told me, like, I hope you weren't distracted because <laughs> there was a little bit of commotion during your set. Someone was bitten by a scorpion. Because <laughs> 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 we were, like, on the ground outside in Texas. Somebody was bitten by a scorpion. <laughs> and they... Then there was like, so, you know, they were in pain and like, like got up, walked away. And then there was was some commotion trying to find the scorpion and kill it. (laughs) There was like, you know, some kind of medical personnel like there. You didn't notice I didn't even know that was happening. So I don't, it was funny. Like, I don't know how they, they did that. You were focused, I guess. I was focused and it was maybe way in the back, but. um, Well, that is, is pretty unique to the Kerrville Folk Festival. They're very songwriter centered and focused yes. so they do they come they, they, were they really sit listening. there and they listen yeah yeah which is very cool and then at night in the campgrounds there's all night long there are song circles yes right like that's everywhere. a huge piece of it i would say that's equal to oh, yeah. what's happening on the main stage sure. if not more mm-hmm. of the focus is is the hang and 
listening to songs around a campfire. I went there a long time ago. I went there a few times. Uh, but the the year I went there, Jackson Brown was walking oh, around the campgrounds. Wow. <laughs> Did you camp? Uh, I camped. Yeah. yeah. Well, I when I, I went there a couple times. Yeah, when I was you know doing songwriting yeah, more, yeah. and then I went as an artist a few times and uh, you know backing people up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, camping it's it, it, camping for a week takes its toll, <laughs> especially <laughs> yeah. when you're staying up all night. Yes. Yeah. Well, people have it down like the the campsites. Some of them are, are really just a tent on the ground, but there are a lot of RVs there. And then there are a lot of campsites that are like a living room. Like right. one guy has a bread maker, like he makes bread for people. Right. That's his thing. Yeah, they have real there like, was kitchens set up. Stage with sort of set up water. at one of them, like a uh, what it was? A stage, like uh-huh. a wooden stage uh-huh. set up with lights and everything. Pretty elaborate. <laughs> yeah, so Yeah, people go a lot of people go just to listen to go that's their vacation for yeah, the year. They go yeah. for a couple of weeks. Because it's like three weeks, right? I think it's about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you're about to go on stage. Mm -hmm. You cried again before you went on stage. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you play your songs, and you didn't notice what was happening in the audience because you're all focused on what you're doing. Yes, and I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see that far away anyway. But So you get off the stage, and how did you feel? Did you feel like you did a good job? I felt relieved. Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to te- it's kind of hard to tell because then you know I I did what I do I you know I I did the best that I could I probably could have played a little better or something but um, I went and got a salad and an ice cream <laughs> afterwards I was really hungry <laughs> I just remember like I went and got lunch and I went and sat and listened to the rest of the uh-huh. the day Hi folks sorry to interrupt the show but we'll get back to Lisa in just a second. I want to let you know that these podcasts require an enormous investment of time on my part. Each show takes about 40 hours to put together. That includes research, travel, recording, editing, mixing, time to manage the websites, the rewards, and the social media. By contributing as little as $2 a month, you'll be helping me keep the podcast going. Go to patreon.com slash jimhenry, or for a one-time only donation, go to protipsformusicians.com. Every little bit helps. Now let's get back to Lisa. Uh, so were you on the there's, so there's two days of of uh, contestants, right? Yes. And then they announce on the third day. They announce on the second day. Um, the end of the second day. The end of the second day. So where were you on the first day or the second day? I was on the first day. So you had to wait. So the second day was so great. <laughs> I was just there to listen, and um, really. Everybody who played was wonderful it's, and such a variety. There's so many ways to be good, you know, yeah. and everybody was good. Yeah. So did, did anybody stand out for you um, particularly? Ev- it's hard to say because really everybody did. There was uh, my friend Liv Green played and I was kind of rooting for her. I know her from Passim. She works at Club Passim. Did she win? She was one of the okay. six. Um, and then there was somebody, um, Scott Mulvihill from Nashville stands out because he plays, he accompanies himself on upright bass, mm. which I don't think I had seen before mm-hmm. as a songwriter. Um, that's sort of unusual. So, but everybody was just, it was lovely. It was just great to get to meet everybody and hear, hear what's going on mm-hmm. out there in, mm-hmm. in the country. Cause Would I'm, you go back again just to you know just for fun i would yeah. i mean it's it is logistically a challenge for right, me because yeah. of the distance and yeah. family obligations but i would definitely go back 
Well, maybe they'll have you back as a performer. I, I think that's kind of, I think they do an In the Round um, next year for the six of us. Oh, well. Who won. And uh-huh. there's a tour in November that we're, we're being sent on. Oh. So. <laughs> you will go. <laughs> we get to go on. <laughs> yeah, right. Which I'm really excited about. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Where, do you know where you're going? Where that um, occurs? It's, I think it's nine dates all in Texas. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, that's a good time to be in Texas, yes. actually, November. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we were talking about this uh, a little bit earlier. You, there, some, some of the acts that were playing there. Like, so you, you said they announced the winners during so the three women. They the have um, the during the main stage performances on Sunday night. Uh, they, they announce about nine o'clock. So all of the new folk finalists, all 32 of us, um, gathered by the tree that they call the Tree of Sorrow, (laughs) (laughs) which I feel like there should be a better name for it because... That's awesome. It's such a funny thing. Like, the whole idea of an art contest is just so strange, and it's not really what it's about. You know, there's all these sort of mental things that you go through, Waiting, just the anticipation of it is the worst because you don't know how it's going to go. I remember thinking, like, I'm just so grateful to be here. I have this thought, like, any any show I play, I'm just happy to be in the room, like, wherever it is, like a big venue or small venue. I'm just so grateful to get to do this. So, Kerrville was kind of the same thing, like, to go from not playing at all for so many years to be standing under the tree of sorrow at the Kerrville Folk Festival <laughs> was blowing my mind. And I was just thinking, like, whatever the outcome is, it's not going to, ch- if, I, if I, air quote, lose, mm-hmm. I'm still going to write songs. I'm still mm. going to do what I do. And this part of it is totally out of my hands at this point, And I will be totally happy either way. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that being said... <laughs> It was a total shock to hear my name. I really feel like they could have picked anybody, and I would have thought, like, oh, I totally get why they picked this mm-hmm. these six. Um, so, But they said my name, and the lovely thing was, like, my new friends that I made the day before were there to hug me and mm-hmm. support me and say congratulations. And that was moving it was everything like was in slow motion at that point. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had to go up to the stage, the six of us, to like wave to the audience and um, have some pictures taken. And as I'm walking up to the stage, I notice Liv Green is behind me. And she was, you know, my friend from Massachusetts. I'm like, yay, we get to walk <laughs> up together. And Liv says, it was so sweet. She said, I hope she doesn't mind that I'm say- saying this. She said, <laughs> did they really just call my name? Because I'm not sure if they did, but I think they did. And I'm going to be so embarrassed if they didn't. <laughs> and I was like, I'm in the same boat. I don't know. Let's just go up there and see what happens. We'll get to the stage, and if they turn us away, we'll know that they didn't actually. <laughs> yeah, sorry, girls, not you. <laughs> right. So um, it was very surreal. There was like, it was like a dream. There were these like flashing lights. People were taking pictures. And then there's like the lights of the main stage. And it was a little bit awkward and crowded on the stage because they're setting up for the next act, which was 
three of my songwriting heroes, Three Women and the Truth. It was Eliza Gilkison, mm-hmm. Gretchen Peters, and Mary Gaucher. Mm-hmm. And they're setting up. So we kind of walk past them. So I didn't even have the chance, because they're trying to move things along. I didn't even have the chance to like geek out and, and be like <laughs> embarrass myself as a fan. Because yeah. <laughs> the sets are backstage, because they're about to start. And who's behind me tuning up his guitar, but Richard Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, there's no way to get out of here without walking <laughs> within a foot of Richard Thompson. So I'm not going to ignore him, right. but I'm I'm terrible with like meeting people right. who are my heroes. Like I get I say the dumbest things <laughs> and I like kick myself for years afterwards. So I take a deep <laughs> breath and um Joe Crookston, I don't know if you know him, he's um yeah, I know a great songwriter. Yeah. He was one of the judges, and we happened to be talking when it was time to leave. And I'm like, we got to talk to Richard Thompson. <laughs> so we walk by, and um, Joe says, he introduces us, here's my friend Lisa, and we're big fans. God, I'm embarrassed about what I said, but I f- <laughs> now I'm like at the moment where I have to either repeat it or quickly, like awkwardly change the direction of this conversation. <laughs> well, you can repeat it and we'll maybe maybe it will make it in and maybe it, it sort won't. of ties in. So, um <laughs> I used to when I was just starting when I moved to Boston, I I made my living as a street performer busking mm-hmm. out in Harvard Square. So, what I said to Richard Thompson was like, I'm sure you get this all the time, but you know, Beeswing is just one of my favorite songs of all time. I'm just really happy to meet you and I wanted to say thank you, blah blah blah. But um, he, he said something like, well, did people throw rocks at you <laughs> <laughs> when you were playing that Sounds song? Just I said, like him. no, but they probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. And then I walked away. That's and, good. Yeah. That was it. That's the way you do it. Yeah. Get in there. Say hello. Yeah. See that's one say. of your pro tips, it isn't it? Is. Then get out yeah. of the way. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. And then it was, you know, after that, it was just, I... I just took some time to walk around by myself, mm-hmm. made some phone calls, and just kind of, I don't know, had some quiet moments of just taking it all in. And Did you cry you know, anymore, or was that it? I think I was there? past crying at that point. <laughs> You're yeah. making me a little weepy with all this. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, was there any, uh, and you don't have to answer this, but mm-hmm. was... Did you feel guilty at all? Yes. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because that I kind of kept to myself for that reason because I've lost a lot of song contests right. too. And it's a little bit awkward. Like some of them that are just like the mail-in ones, you get an email right. later that says, sorry, you didn't win this one. But it is a little awkward when you're all in the same place. And I've lost ones that I've traveled long distances to. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, you think about, wow, like... Why did I do this? Why did I spend all this money, come here to and lose. to lose? And I've been there. I've, uh, oh, yeah. But the one that I lost, I I think about the people that I met through that one. I'm still in touch with, mm-hmm. and it still was was worth it. I think you have to, as part of this. There's so much um, vulnerability that comes along with it. You have to put your offering out there and sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't and it has nothing to do with the value of what you've created it's it was a weird thing because I wanted to be there for my my new new folk friends but I also felt like maybe I wasn't the person 
to really offer that. Right. And I did feel some guilt, like, I don't know why they picked me. Right. It really could have been anybody, so. Right. Well. Um, it was a little bit awkward, I guess. And right. I, I, I don't know. Kind of felt that. I still so, feel that now. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, a hard thing to, to be a, you know, air quote winner. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it sets you apart in some ways, uh, even though it doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what yeah. you're saying. I mean, you say every, anybody could have won. Do you feel like you deserve to win? Well, that's hard to answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I've, I don't know, like I was going to say, like I've, I've put a lot of time and energy and effort into, like I started, I feel like I started with this little ember and I've just been sort of like gently blowing on it <laughs> like for a couple of years. So um, I feel like, I feel like I've put the time in and I feel, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to this idea like really anybody could have could have won. I don't right. know. Um, but I think there was something something that just the judges happened to hear and maybe it was that particular group of judges. Right. Um, well, that, yeah, that has so, as much to do with it as anything, yeah. you know. Like what they might have been listening for on that particular day happened to fit what I was doing and... Yeah. Where you ended up in the lineup has some difference too, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, if they're, if they're tired, you know, or a little, that could be, you know, I, mean, hot. I think I was, I was third on the first day. Well, I guess so that's a good maybe slot. That was a good spot. I don't know. <laughs> they, um, one of the judges did, um, go back through to see how, how it broke down over the years. And it's, it's pretty evenly distributed. Like some Where years, you are in the lineup. it's a lot of the people who played on Saturday. Some years it's more of the people who played on Sunday. Sometimes it's equal. It's, I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason to mm-hmm. it. All right. Well, I think we've, we've covered the Kerrville okay. Folk Festival. <laughs> so before we get, get some other stuff, here's a little palate cleanser. This is the either or game. Okay. Have you heard, you've heard I this love on, this game. Okay. Well, I have some tailor-made questions. Oh, no. Okay. And some of them are easy, and some of them are hard. Some of them you're going to resent me for. So okay. So you don't have to answer those. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Lisa Bastoni. Dog or cat? Ah, cat. Target or Pier 1? Target. <laughs> Ocean or lake? Ocean. Ocean. Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell? Rest of your life oh, now. God. This is for the rest this is of impossible. your life. <sighs> Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, okay. Window or aisle? Window. <laughs> <laughs> Chorus or refrain? Chorus. Oh, wow, not even a hesitation there. Uh, opener or Cobell? Ooh. Rest of your life. Man, Cobell. Cobell. Okay, this is <laughs> this one was suggested by one of the Patreon patrons, and this is a good one, I think. And you might be a little young for this, but I'll, I'll, uh, but maybe not. Elizabeth Montgomery, do you know who that is? Bewitched. Yes. Do you know who that uh-huh. is? Oh yeah. Oh okay, I know, I know yeah. where this is going. <laughs> or Barbara Eden. Oh man. From My Dream of Jeannie. This who, this is such a weird <laughs> I know, question a for this one. podcast. <laughs> That is oh, a cruel man. one. Oh, man. Elizabeth Montgomery. Oh, yeah. I would, I would agree with you. Now, this, I ask you this just based on, I was doing a little research and saw a bunch of photographs of you. Polka dots or stripes? <laughs> That's so weird. 
I know. That's a weird one. Uh, stripes. Stripes. Really? Yeah. Okay. Music or painting? Oh. Rest of your life. God. One or the other. That that's like Sophie's it, choice. I, I can't. Exactly. <laughs> well, we went we went through this with Kevin Barry on the last podcast. Sophie's Choice podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I stole um, his line. Um, you don't have to answer, but you probably should. Okay. Um, music. Music. Okay. Biden or Bernie? Hmm. Neither. Warren or Harris? Warren. Yeah. Northampton or Boston? Oh man, this is a that's a tough one too. Yeah. Um, Northampton. Okay. No, I feel like I betrayed my roots. <laughs> no, I feel bad. I feel These wrong are about that. Questions. I don't know. They're not really <laughs> real questions, but um, gin or tequila? Gin. Gin. Beer or wine? Wine. Ice skating or roller skating? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Beatles or Stones? Uh, Beatles. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah. All right, so that's just a little palate cleanser. Okay. We'll move on to the next topic. So speaking of openers and co-bills, you're doing a lot of both of those right now, right? Yeah, yeah. As as you're sort of re-entering the music world and, you know, building building your career, right, essentially. Um, Do you prepare for those, an opener or a co-bill in different ways? Like, I guess, let me rephrase that. Do you... Well, like one of the one of the one of the pro tips, of course, is mm-hmm. uh, you know, as an opening act, never ever go over your allotted time. Yeah. So, do you like practice your set to time it? Um, or just- I I have a general idea of how long it takes me to get through. I I would tend to play if it, if I'm offered a thirty minute set, I'll probably play twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of plan on that. So, but and but you also um, talk in there. I right? do you have some little, talking. Little, you know, spiels that you give. Yeah. Right. Do you um, practice those? I probably should practice them. I haven't because I like it to be a little bit spontaneous, and mm. I've done it enough where I don't want to say I tell the same kind of stories the same you know way each time, but. I have sort of my go-to. You have a rap things, story, yeah. yeah. So I don't think I've. I don't think I go over. I think if anything, it's it's usually a little under. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. did you hear the? Did you listen to the Cliff Everhart? I podcast? did. Yeah, he had some things to say about. He openers. sure did. <laughs> it was kind of. It was uh, a little bit painful to listen to, um, but I le- in a good way. It's like oh, like er- a lot of things he was saying. It was like, oh, man, I've totally done that thing uh-huh. and, you know, live and learn. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. you got to learn how to do it. Yep. So how do you approach a co-bill differently? I mean, it's a little looser, I guess. It's a you- little looser. It depends on, on who it's with. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun when there's a chance to collaborate a little bit, mm-hmm. like if not the whole thing, maybe a couple of songs. So if it's with a friend who I've played with before, that's pretty easy to do if it's um, sometimes there could be a bill where you're kind of put with somebody that you've never played with before. So I think putting in a little extra time to like send in, you know, some songs by email or something, mm-hmm. or just listen to each other's stuff in advance, if right. possible, that, that helps. 
Do you play different songs as an opener? Do you feel, I guess my question is really, do you have songs that you feel like are your stronger songs? And so you always go with those with your opener? Yes. Always? Um, or maybe- yeah, I mean, there are some variables. Like, you know, you had an episode with Jim Olsen, mm-hmm. and I really liked what he had to say about about opening sets. He mentioned playing a cover song, which is on my to-do list. I mean, I have a couple of cover songs that I'll throw in sometimes because it is a way to sort of connect with an audience that's never heard it few, probably. He he, he said it was really actually really good advice. It was... uh... It was, you know, a, a well, you know, a well done cover is a good way for people into your music. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so aside from that, I, there are some songs that, that I, I tend to play like the same, you know, maybe there's 10 songs that are like my core songs that I'll kind of swap out depending on how I'm feeling. But there are some songs that I always will play if I know I only have five songs I want to play the best Mm -hmm. you know what I think are the best um because there's also the piece where I don't know not to be crass but (laughs) I'm trying to sell some cds yeah right to people who are still buying cds or want to support that so I'll play the songs that are on the cds (laughs) or maybe on the album that's coming out um you know so I can say if you sign my mailing list you'll be updated right. with the you know upcoming releases well you're, yeah you're there so. doing a job so yeah. that's part yeah. of the job so let's talk about this new recording coming okay. up and we don't have to talk about this if you don't want all right but <laughs> i know that the it was a windy road <laughs> it was a long path yeah. uh, and are you willing to talk about that sure well, so I know that you started, you were working with a producer and you started down a path and you didn't like the way it was going. Yes. Right. And so then what happened? <laughs> so I should say, I, I really love the producer that I worked with on my first album, The Wishing Hour. Mm-hmm. It really worked well for my circumstances. Mm-hmm. We were able to, I was able to record at home. So I was working to a click track sending my guitar and vocal files to the producer and to the engineer. And we were all in different places um, in the country. And then we would have musicians overdub from their studios. I mean, we were in Austin, L.A., Philly, Atlanta, Uh (laughs) New York, Nashville, Boston. It was really amazing that we were able to bring all these musicians together and come up with an album that sounded cohesive Mm -hmm. and it was exactly the right thing and for the second album um, we had such a great working relationship I wanted to go back to the same producer only this time we had the idea like wouldn't it be great if we could get everybody in the same room and just try a different approach (laughs) different musicians (laughs) like you know drummer with isolated booths but to be in the same space and kind of just chase the feel of the song until it feels right. Mm-hmm. So we tried that, and it unfortunately it didn't really go the way that I had hoped that it mm-hmm. would go. And so there was a few months of back and forth, like maybe we can make this work, and I really did want it to work. And this is the very sad part, which is we just hit this point where we were sort of at an impasse, and I decided to go a different way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to cry again. This is like the crying <laughs> episode. So 
we had to sort of start over from scratch mm-hmm. and I worked with a different producer and we did go into the studio and we recorded all of the songs in two days, which was may have seemed rushed, but it was really only possible because of the first round of recording where all the pre-production was done. The songs were ready. The songs were rehearsed. And I was in the room with friends who, you know, just could feel like what the songs needed. And we didn't work with a click track. So uh, did you play the guitar? I played the guitar. And sing? Um, Or did you overdub the vocals? We did. So I was playing guitar and singing, but then we went back and redid did that, that. Redid that part. Yeah. But drums and bass were done, right. and then that was all in the first day. Wow! And then the second day, we did all of my vocals in one day. Wow! <laughs> Which I know is probably not a pro tip. I don't recommend <laughs> it. But, um, but it kind of worked. There was like the last song in the album is a very intimate song that's just guitar. It's just a, a duet sort of a song, and I was so exhausted. And it was late, but it was sort of like the right thing for mm-hmm. that song. So mm-hmm. I think you kind of hear that on the album. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's actually very valuable uh, pro tip. It's like if you're not happy or with the way that your album is sounding for whatever reason, it makes more sense to, you know, if, even if it's going to cost you more money yeah. to make, to be happy. You have to be because it's your it's your name it's yeah. your work it's your um, artistic message or your product and um, I had this my way of thinking with the first album was like I was so um, deferential to the producer and I feel like there is something to be said for like trusting your your work with a producer it's so great to have somebody listen so closely to what you're doing and encourage you and sort of steer the ship. I really needed that the first round. And I kind of felt like I was working for the producer and then something switched where like, and I think he might even have said this to me, like, I'm working for you. Like, this is your record. And so you do have to be happy with it. And so with this one, I just, I needed to take a different approach with it. And well, that's I'm I'm glad you did. I am too. I'm, I'm really you. really thank you. <laughs> I'm really happy with the way that it turned out and I feel like, you know, it, it was painful, really really painful to to have to go through all that. Ultimately, lesson learned. <laughs> yes, it was a huge lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably a good place to stop. I okay. think we've we've had a fine <laughs> pro tips chat. <laughs> Good. So thank you very much, Lisa Bastoni, for being a guest on the Pro Tips Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan of this podcast. Well, and I hope you. you just continue doing it forever because it's awesome. You know what, though? Let's play, uh, which is what we normally do, is play a song for the outro. Sure. Um, so what song should we play for the outro music? Do you want to play You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go by Bob Dylan? You betcha I do. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Seen love go by my door, it's never been this close before. 
never been so easy or so slow I've been shooting in the dark too long Something's not right, it's wrong You're gonna make me lonesome when you go There's purple clover, Queen Anne's lace Crimson hair across your face You could make me cry if you don't know Thanks for listening to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. To find out more about Lisa, visit her at lisabastoni.com. To order your copy of the Pro Tips book or to make a one-time only donation to the podcast, go to protipsformusicians.com. To become a sustaining podcast patron, go to patreon.com slash jimhenry. Thanks for listening. It always hit me from below.